Luke, the 18th chapter. I give great honor to you tonight. I am so thankful for our staff, for this church. Brother Jordan Fry preached such a powerful word here on Sunday morning. Amen. I give him honor tonight. Thank the Lord for that. Now, Brother Hill, I don't have one good thing to say about him. I don't have anything good to say about him, and I hope he watches this tonight. Thank the Lord. Luke chapter 18, if you're there, say amen. We're going to verse number 8. Luke 18 and 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I believe he's going to take care of business quick, don't you? He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when he comes, will he find faith in the earth? This is basically, in layman's terms, what this verse is saying. God's going to take care of his business. But are you going to take care of yours? God's going to take care of his part. He's going he's to make it happen. But he said, are you going to do your part? When the Son of Man comes, shall he find? I can't answer for anybody else tonight, but I'm going to give an answer as for me and my house. He's going to find faith. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. As for me and my house, he's going to find faith. Let's just lift up the name of Jesus right now. I feel his presence close. Ah, God, help us tonight. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Praise God. It'd make me feel good right now if you just set your Bible down on the pew and let's give the Lord a 47th Psalm. Come on, let's give him praise tonight. be seated in Jesus name I sure don't want to get started off on the wrong foot tonight I want to I want to build your faith and increase your faith but uh, I want to tell you there's a lot of folks who better be praying to answer this question when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth unless he comes back on a Sunday It's going to be tough for some people because there are people who want full-time benefits with part-time relationship, and you just can't have it. I want you to know tonight that as the body of Christ, he is forming our minds right now and challenging our thought processes.
to help us to realize that the kingdom of God has got to become about so much more than just what happens in this room. It's got to become about so much more than just what happens in sanctuaries across America. It's amazing to me uh, when I think about it. Sunday morning, I was standing in church and uh, we were singing, you know, just worship service. Musicians were playing, group was singing. And uh, I don't even remember what song we were singing at the time, but I was lifting my voice and singing to the Lord. And I thought, I wonder right now, we started at 10 o'clock. And I said, I wonder how many people right now are singing in the United States in a 10 o'clock service. I wonder right now while we're singing, how many people are singing right now? That sounds crazy. But there were literally... Hundreds of thousands of people that were singing at the same time. Maybe some sing the same song, maybe not. But we were all singing. And some were making a joyful noise. <laughs> some of it, it was joyful unto the Lord. Nevertheless, they were making noise. And I think there's something to be said about somebody that will make some noise. Amen. I've got a feeling that heaven is not going to be just a quiet place. Heaven's not going to feel like a library. We're guaranteed, I, I guess, about 30 minutes worth of silence. And I think that's when everybody in their glorified body is trying to figure out the beauty, the grandeur, the majesty when you're... When you're looking around and you realize that that gate, the Bible says, was made out of one pearl. And it doesn't say that we're going to be walking on streets of gold. It says it's a street. I'm talking about one endless piece of pure gold. So pure that you'll be able to see through it. It'll be like crystal. It's going to be amazing. But it's something to me that at one given time, thousands upon thousands of people could be singing. But when we got out of church, and most churches, I don't know how this happens. I don't know if we're as traditional. You know, we used to talk about that all the time. We, we're not traditional Christians. But it's awful funny to me. I can preach 15 places on Sunday morning if they start at 10 o'clock. They're going to get out about 11.30. And if they're not out around 11.40, they're some uncomfortable people. Because they know to put that roast on and they know what time we're going to get out. But I want to tell you that if we are that predictable with each other, I believe we are that predictable with the enemy. And the enemy knows just how long we're going to be in church. He knows just what time to meet you at your car. He knows just what time to send discouragement. And some of you, he's got it figured out. He knows just who to send to you before you walk out of the church. And they know just how to say the right thing to discourage you. Oh, boy, it got quiet up in here fast tonight. But it's amazing to me that 1130, 1145, when the singing stops, the preaching's done, 
altar service is finished. The lights have been shut out. And uh, you go to get some El Shaddai, spend some time with the Lord, get enveloped in the comforter on the Sunday afternoon. I think it ought, I think it ought to have been in the law that on Sunday afternoon you, you get an option to take a nap. Anybody think that ought to be all right? Sunday afternoon nap, they're a blessing. But all I could think of is we got thousands of people singing right now, but I wonder what it's going to sound like this afternoon. I wonder how many thousands of people will be praying. I wonder what it's, what it's going to take for the church. And I, and I don't want this to be so somber and serious tonight, but I don't know what it's going to take to wake people up, to make us realize that we have moved beyond the days of playing church. We're beyond the days of patty caking with the devil. We're beyond the days of making deals with the demonic. And now we are literally staring down the barrel of eschatological disasters happening around us. We are seeing it like crazy. And uh, the confusion that's around it. Like, we're seeing this war that's taking place and trying to figure out that none of this makes sense. It's just so crazy. And how in the world there could be that much darkness? You know, we live in our Pentecostal bubble. And we, we're, we're stuck in our own little ways, and we don't, we don't understand. I, I was talking last night. I preached in Ohio and was talking with the pastor's wife after church. We were sitting at the table and she was telling me about the town that she was raised in in Texas and that that town was pretty much ran by Satanists. Everybody from the police chief to elected officials were, were Satanists and her daddy pastored a powerful apostolic church in that city. And, you know, we, we come together and clap and dance and shout. And I don't want to bore you all to death. I'll preach in just a minute, but... It's like we live in this isolated bubble that once you have started walking with the Lord, that it's just going to be gravy. You know, just icing on the cake, it's going to be just fine, everything's taken care of. I'm going to tell you, if we didn't have to endure something, then the scripture wouldn't have said, him that endures the same shall be saved. And she told me, she said, those Satanists started coming to my, my daddy Sending letters, threatening, calling, saying we're going to kill you and we're going to soak your family in your blood. I'm talking about Texas. We're going to kill you and we're going to soak your wife and children in your blood after we murder you. What, what was it that he had done that was so dark? He preached the gospel. Now this was in the early 1980s. And we, don't, we just act like that world don't exist. But brothers and sisters, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we can sit by in the end time and keep on letting Nickelodeon and Disney babysit our kids every day. Or we can learn that we are in the time that if we have ever been tuned in to the Spirit, we better be tuned in to the Spirit. 
while Hollywood is rocking our children to sleep. And the lullaby of the Broadway is singing the song to our families. I'm telling you that we as the church of the living God are continuing to meander through the maze of mediocrity just going about our little way. But hear this preacher tonight. I've come with a burden on my heart to tell you that it's time for the church of the living God to wake up. It's time for us to rise from our slumber. It's time for us to get out of our bed of comfort. It's time for us to quit playing games and trying to decide if we're really going to live for God or not. It's time for us to quit forgive the, the uh, proverb tonight, but we've got to stop rolling the proverbial dice. Is today the day or am I going to serve the Lord next week? Am I going to finish this part of my life that I want Am I going to make some more memories with this person and that person? And then I'm going to serve the Lord. Am I going to make this much money before I'm faithful to God? Am I going to finally get that job? But I want to tell you that there was somebody that woke up this morning and said, tomorrow I will. But they're not going to make it to tomorrow. There was somebody that woke up this morning thinking it was just another day. But they went out into eternity. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we've got to wake up and realize that time is short time is short and the Lord the Lord asked this question that I, I feel is so is so powerful and it is absolutely I believe deserving of an answer Jesus asked the question when the son of man comes Shall he find faith on the earth? Why would he ask such a question? I'm going to tell you why he would ask such a question. Because it was prophetic in context. There's going to be a lot of people in the end time who are going to lay down their shield of faith. That shield in Roman times and, and in Hellenistic times, Greek times... It wasn't just the little, everybody thinks that, you know, that you got the Avengers shield. Everybody thinks that's what it is, just that little disc that goes around. That shield was something big in the days of the Spartans, the Spartan warriors. Their shield was almost as tall as their body. As a matter of fact, they used their own shields for stretchers. If they were wounded in the battle, they would lay them on their own shield and they would carry them out. It was used for multi-purpose in warfare and as a Spartan child you were told that when you come home you either come back from war with your shield or you come back on your shield but don't you come back without it why would they make such a statement because that shield was big it was cumbersome it was hard to hold on to if you wanted to flee the first thing that you would want to throw down was the weight of that shield you would want to depart from the weight of the shield because it was easier to run. But that ought to tell you something. If they wanted you to carry the weight, that means you weren't born to run. You were born to fight. You were born to stay. Oh, God. That shield was not made with metal. That shield did have usually make maybe a, a rod of iron that would make the frame of it. 
But they would make it with skin that was stretched across it. The skin of an animal would be stretched across that shield. And it would be used uh, to quench the darts that would come in their direction. But it was said that this shield, there was something so unique about it in the fact that as a warrior, you had to keep your shield oiled up at all times to keep it with elasticity. You had to keep oil and anointing, if you would, on your shield all the time. Because if the shield got dry and brittle, then the arrows and the darts would penetrate through it. And it was said to these warriors that the worst time to anoint your shield is in the middle of the battle. You had better be certain before you walk into the heat of the battle that your shield is anointed. I've come to tell somebody tonight that the darkness of night is a terrible time to wonder whether or not you've got enough oil in your lamp to make it. You better be sure before the sun sets you've got enough oil in your lamp because when the Son of Man comes, he wants to know, am I going to find faith or not? Matter of fact, when we read in Thessalonians the whole armor of God, if you'll notice the language, you can tell the context in which the apostle is speaking because he said, above all, taking the shield of faith. That doesn't mean the shield of faith is most important. He's saying it's above all or it's covering all. It's a big shield. It covers you. But you are not meant to cast that shield aside. And of all the things that Paul could liken the armor of God to, the shield was the shield of faith. Why would it be the shield of faith? Because your faith is going to be the easiest thing to discard. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Simon Peter, I have prayed for you. He said, because Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But what did he say? I prayed for you that your that your faith fail you not. And of all the things that Jude could speak in his short letter to the church, he said, I was going to write to you about common salvation. He said, but something got a hold of me, and I felt the need to tell you that you need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I'm telling you that the faith in which we believe is going to be tested, and it's going to cause you to lay aside your faith if you're not careful but it is too late in the game for us to be asking the question as to whether or not it's worth keeping our faith I've come to tell somebody tonight that right before the coming of the Lord somebody is going to lay their faith down somebody's going to quit fighting just a few minutes too soon some, somebody, somebody's going to throw in the towel just a few minutes too early. That's why we were told that the man who endures is the one who's going to be saved. God, help us tonight. Do you not think Jesus was looking through a prophetic lens when he asked the question, Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? I feel tonight like everything around me, every day, everything on the outside of the kingdom of God is coming against my faith, who I am. I feel that every single day. The the attacks, the, the mental warfare, 
the things that the enemy's doing, the attack that's on the family and the church. I'm telling you, the devil hates the family. You can, you can look at it however you want to, but I'm going to tell you it's a biblical precedent. The enemy, I know he came to separate in the garden as a snake. He came to separate men from God, but he did it by getting family out of order. Before God had a church, he had family. Family is the plan of God. And that's why the enemy is doing everything that he can to attack the family. Have you thought, given any thought at all, to the reason why in this society it would just, they would be trying to make it normal? To give your kids estrogen blockers. To give your kids drugs that stop their body parts from growing and their sexual organs from growing. And would, would try to some way, somehow change their little bodies. I looked the other day on uh, Instagram and there was, there was a young lady that was testifying or whatever you want to call it about when she was young that her parents had allowed her to make the choice and the doctor started giving her estrogen blockers and I don't mean to sound crude but as just a little little girl she had her breast removed and they started giving her all the medications to be sure that they never grew and she began to relent about what she was going through and that because of a decision that she made as a child that she would never bear children and she would never have a family and she would never breastfeed her children there would never be anything normal do you know why the enemy is doing this right now do you know why the agenda of pride and sexuality is the way it is right now because the devil hates family he hates it He's been trying to get the church for years to redefine the laws of marriage and to rearrange convictions about marriage. And while we're looking at how marriage is being redefined in court systems, the church has been redefining it for years because the Lord said it's my will that when you find a spouse that you stay with them and that you fight for it and you do whatever you have to do. That's why we've got to start preaching to young people right now that the choice you make before you get married is by far the most important choice you'll ever make outside of living for God. I'm telling you right now that I'd rather go the rest of my life and see my children go the rest of their life single than I would to see them live their lives with somebody that's going to pull them away from the kingdom of God and away from the presence of God. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. It's the end time and we better fight for our faith and we better fight for our families. We're living in the last days. The last of the last days. But that doesn't echo in, in the chamber of people's ears anymore like it used to because you've heard preaching on the end time for so long. I remember when I was a kid, I won't name any names, but there were, there were men in our movement that were, that were end time prophecy stuff. And I, rem, I'm like, I remember vividly that they were 100% positive without question that Mikhail Gorbachev was the Antichrist. <laughs> 
He had that mark on his head. He had teeth of iron. Man, they, Lord have mercy. They walked. Said, Did you see that spot on his head? It's blood. It's, uh, it's the wounded head. Well, Mr. Gorbachev just died. I think he must have missed the will of God. I don't know. But do you, do you know what the spirit of Antichrist really is? I was in, uh, on the road late last night. I was listening to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And John said, anyone who denies that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it is the spirit of Antichrist. Do you know why the enemy is attacking the church? And why the church has become so soft and so weak? And we can baptize you however you want to be baptized. I got just as tickled as I've ever been. The other day I was watching a funeral. Brother Holmes Church in North Little Rock. The mayor of North Little Rock had passed away and they were hosting the funeral there. And President Bill Clinton was at the funeral. And he was on the front row and Brother Holmes got up and was addressing all the people. And he was saying what the mayor had done for them. And he said... We were in this building right here. And he said, we had everything done. He said, we had the carpet and the pews on order. He said, we was just waiting to put them down. And he said, they come in here and he said, I'm sure it was somebody well-meaning that looked up and said, this looks like a theater. And if there's going to be a theater, it has to be sprinkled. He said, so I called the mayor and I said, we don't believe in sprinkling around here. He said, we baptize in Jesus' name. They were trying to get him to put in fire sprinklers, but he, he took that time to let everybody in that room know. We don't believe in sprinkling around here. And in case you're wondering, he told that mayor, he said, we don't, we don't need to sprinkle this building. And the mayor said, I think you're right. And I can tell you tonight, there ain't no sprinklers over that platform in that building. Thank God. Yeah, if you want to be sprinkled, sure. We'll sprinkle. How do you want to do it? Would you like to do it in the titles? Would you like to do it in Jesus' name? How about this one? How about we just say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which is Jesus? They looked at me at the jail and said, now, we don't just baptize in Jesus' name up here anymore. I said, really? What do you do? They said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is Jesus' name? I said, Jesus is Jesus' name. His name's not Father. His name's not Son. His name is not Spirit. His name is Jesus. We'll do whatever you want to do. I got tickled some time ago. I may have mentioned it here. I don't know. I think I did. But there was this 
church online that was celebrating their baptism Sunday. And they had built a water slide on the platform. And put a swimming pool up there. They got this big old huge, it was a huge building. Got them a water slide. People were climbing up there and the whole church was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, 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 woo. They come down the slide and just as they'd hit the water, they Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I thought, is this an amusement park? What are we doing? What, what are we doing? Will he find faith or not? When our churches have become more social clubs. Well, maybe I ought to walk back up here and get to reading my notes again, Bishop. Our churches have become social clubs. And we care more about social gatherings than we do souls. God help us. Being delivered and set free. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you. That if the church in America don't wake up, God's going to start building his church on college campuses and in the streets. If the church don't wake up and stop playing games with God, the Lord's going to start building his church somewhere else. Because he's not going to share his glory with another. God is not going to let salvation be made a mockery of. I'm telling you, you hear me, you hear me tonight. God is not going to let salvation be made a mockery of. I believe that the enemy is doing everything he can to come against our faith. Now we've got this cataclysmic idea in our minds. That this war that we're in, this, this end time war that we're in, of course we've been, this war's been going on a long time. It's a war against good and evil, but you know, Hollywood's really messed that up because we've got this idea that we've got God over here and he's got sweat dripping and he's tired and he's got a couple gashes and he's cut and you got the devil over here and the devil, man, he's really just, he's putting it on him and God's in the fight for the ages. And just at the right time, the Lord's going to put that final blow on the devil, knock him down, knock him out, run over here and tell Gabriel real quick, okay, now hurry up, blow the trumpet before he gets up. That's, I mean, honestly, that's the way people look at this. It's like just this war in the heavenlies and God and the devil are going back and forth and they're trading right hooks and left hooks and pew. He knocked Jesus down. Jesus gets back up. And, oh, folks, listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not here tonight to be a downer. But I'm going to tell you, the war of the age in the end time is not going to be God and the devil going at it. Put your seatbelts on. You ready? The war of the ages is going to be whether people or not that have come in are going to keep their faith. It's going to be whether or not preachers keep enough backbone to keep preaching. They'd rather fill up a pew than they would fill up heaven. It's going to be saints 
that don't start looking for somewhere else that they can go to do more carnal things but still get used. I'm preaching to you tonight. The war of the age right now is not whether or not the Lord's going to take the devil out. The war of the age is whether or not you're going to let yourself get sidetracked by every wind of false doctrine that blows and get distracted by the gods of this world. I'm telling you tonight, I already know that God is going to win. Jesus did not ask the question, will I be victorious when I come back? He said, when I come back, will I find faith? But I'm not here tonight to just tell you about everybody in the world that's fallen away. Woo-wee. We all know that Revelation, the book of Revelation, is not literal as far as the visions that are being seen. In other words, let me, let me make this perfectly clear. It's literal things that happen. But it's not literal in what he was seeing. In other words, the beast with seven heads, ten horns, one of the heads being wounded. There's not going to be a real beast that looks like that. It's, it's, it's a shadow. It's a type. It's, it's a figure. It's, uh, it, it's a picture that the Lord's showing John. You understand what I'm saying? So it's literal, but the pictures that he's seeing are not literal. But there's some amazing things that he sees that are without a doubt literal. In the book of Revelation. Woo-wee. Man, I feel so good right now. There's some things that he sees like the seven the golden candlesticks with seven candlesticks on it. He says, this is the churches. You understand what I'm saying? So, He's seen a candlestick, but it's the churches. But I want to tell you something. Scripture leads us to believe that there's going to be two distinct times that the Lord is going to return to the earth. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 through 17 that the dead, I love this, the dead... Somebody help me with that right there. The dead in Christ. The dead in Christ. What's that mean? That means somebody died still believing. You ain't hearing me tonight. The dead in Christ. The ones who endured. They didn't make it to the rapture alive, but they're still going to be in the rapture because they were dead in Christ. And this is what he said. He said the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. Oh, I love this. God have mercy. I love this. Then we, woo, I don't know how y'all are just sitting there. This is all over me right now. But we which are alive, and I know some people look at this and think remains means that we're still on the earth. That is not what it means. 
He said, we which are alive and remain. What's that? Still got my faith. He said at the coming of the Lord, there's going to be some that died still believing. And there's going to be some that's still living and they're still believing. They're alive and they remain. I said they're alive and they remain. And I'm going to tell you that the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. But we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. time it comes back it's in Revelation it's Revelation 19 it's like verse 11 through 14 somewhere right in there where the Lord is coming back with the saints you with me are you hearing what I'm telling with the saints what are you doing pastor I'm telling you there's going to be some saints when the rapture happens. There's going to be somebody that held on through every trial. Woo, God help me tonight. There's going to be somebody that kept on standing when you wanted to sit down. There's going to be somebody that just kept on running when you wanted to quit. There's going to be somebody that every time the doors were open, you just showed up. There's going to be somebody that just kept on preaching when you wanted to sit down and quit preaching. But thank God Almighty, there's going to be some saints in the rapture. And there's going to be some saints that come back to reign with him. I can't contain myself right now. <laughs> I am so excited because I found the answer to the question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And the answer is, John said, I saw a number could not be numbered. Hey, I'm looking at somebody in this room tonight that's going to overcome. I'm looking at somebody in this room tonight that's going to make it. I'm looking at somebody in this room tonight that's going to finish the course. I'm looking at somebody that's going to run the race. Henceforth there is laid up for you a crown of righteousness. I've come to tell you tonight, we're getting ready to lay our burdens down. We're getting, we're getting ready to lay our burdens down. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's starting to feel like rapture time. It's starting to feel like to me that I can feel it in the air.
Oh, brother so-and-so, he left the faith. He don't preach this anymore. You can talk about old brother so-and-so if you want to. I'm praying for mercy for his soul. But let me tell you about old brother so-and-so that's still preaching. I don't know when he's coming, but it'd be all right with me if while I'm standing here right now preaching about it, I ain't got nobody that believes in the imminent return anymore because we've got it all figured out, Brother St. Clair. We got to know, we know what's going to happen in Jerusalem first. We know, we're going to see it on that temple, man. You watch, we're going to see that, we're going to see that temple built for it. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm watching I'm waiting every day. I'm watching as much as I can. I can't take too much of what I'm seeing over there right now, but I'm watching. And I'm waiting. I'm watching every day. But I'm going to tell you what I'm watching more than I'm watching Israel. I'm watching me. Brother Shaw, I'm being sober and vigilant. Because my adversary, the devil. I've come to preach to somebody in here tonight. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. I want you to notice that is permissive language. He is seeking whom he may devour. And the answer tonight is no. You may not devour me because when he comes back, he's going to find faith in me. I have good news to bring. That is why I sing all my joy. With you I'll share. Can I tell you tonight? I'm going to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. And I'm going to go sailing through the air. Lord, I've come to answer a question tonight and I found the answer in your word. You wanted to know if you're going to find faith and there is in this sanctuary tonight a resounding yes. If you don't find faith anywhere else, you're going to find faith right here. Come on, let's love the Lord. Oh, Lord, I wish you'd fill this house right now with praise and worship. church family I'm done preaching but I'm going to tell you the band's getting tuned up I saw today President Putin 
said we're getting ready to we're getting ready to send a little help out in uh, to the neutral zone. He said because we've noticed that the United States has sent a couple aeronautical applications. He said so we're just going to send some we're going to send some help out there into the neutral zone. He said this is not a threat. I said, sir, I wish I could speak Russian and I wish I could call your cell phone right now. Because I'm facing to tell you some things that I don't know if you've ever read about yourself. But you just think you're in control. Lord God, have mercy. Yesterday went to Went to the evening hours thinking, Lord, these poor pitiful people got bombed in a hospital. 500 died, they said. I said, Lord, God. This morning I woke up, they said, surprise, we were just joking. It wasn't really 500 people died and it wasn't really the hospital. And it wasn't really Israel, it was actually a rocket from Hamas that exploded early and hit a parking lot. And 500 people didn't really die. I said, Lord God, ain't that something? Can you imagine all this chaos? We just got a little ring in our nose. We're like, take me over here. Take me over here. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to tell you all something. I've tried real hard to get it all figured out. Brother Joe, I ain't figured it out yet. But I'm going to tell you what I have figured out. No matter what else happens in Israel... No matter what else happens in It don't matter what else happens. I'm going to watch because it's science. But I'm going to tell you, I done made up my mind. If that whole part of the world turns to a sand parking lot, He's going to find faith in my house. I want to tell you what some really wise biblical people have come up with lately, okay? I just want to put your mind at ease. You'll appreciate this, Brother Frank. They said, strange enough, we don't think the rapture is really what people have thought it is. They said, strange enough, we think the rapture is more than likely just going to be a nuclear event. Well, <laughs> Church family. There was a time that he winked at ignorance. But we know too much. And I'm going to preach to you as simple as I know how to preach to you. I'm going to preach as simple as I've ever preached to you. And I'm going to throw the ball in your court. I'm not going to make a big rigmarole. I'm not going to spit to the fifth row. I'm going to preach to you right now from my heart, the heart of God. We've got signs everywhere. I don't need any more signs. They're there. We're watching it happen. You understand that? But what I've come to preach tonight is if you want to be saved... 
you're going to be. And if you don't want to be saved, you're not going to make it. Woo. I, I know. That made y'all fall asleep. If you want to make it, you're going to make it. Because whatever comes your way, you're going to have a yes in your spirit that says when you come back, you're going to find faith. I don't know where else in the earth you're going to find it. But you're going to find faith in me. Ooh, I wish somebody would just pray through to the Holy Ghost right now. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to make it. When I was a boy, my mother used to sing a song that her grandmother sang. Matter of fact, she sang it at her funeral. My mom sang that song at her grandmother's funeral. One more valley. One more hill. One more trial, one more tear, one more curve in life's road, maybe one more mile to go. Woo! But you can lay down your heavy load when you get home. Brother Looper, I don't need nothing else to excite me. Are you hearing me tonight?